remodel. Raise your hand if you've ever remodeled anything. Okay. All right. A few of you have never gone through that pleasurable experience. Who has ever done it while you lived there? How many of you actually enjoy remodeling while you live there? Okay, we got one crazy person. Okay. Well, remodeling adds stress to your life. Amen? There is no other way to put it. It takes time, effort, energy, and money. So why in the world would anyone remodel anything? Well... I read recently that you should remodel your house every 10 to 15 years so it stays updated. So you better start saving. Some of you are like, I'm behind. Some people in here are like, I still like that flowered wallpaper, you know. Two weeks ago, I attended the first service in their new building, the Pentecostal Church in Platte City, pastored by Brother Roger Parrott, who was initially out of this church. And as I looked around and I followed them on Facebook, I got tired just watching how much they worked on their building. And I heard the many stories of how many hours of work it took and the money that it took. And I started thinking about construction projects. And I started kind of reminiscing as I walked into their church and they're showing me around excitedly at all these new updates. And I thought about how we have always done that here and all the updates and the exciting things that we've done. And uh, I was just going through my phone this past week, and I was like, I just want to I just wanna look back at a couple of things. Check, check out a few of these pictures, okay? This one here was in my last house when I decide I take like maybe one or two baths a year, and that's only if I'm sick. I hate baths. They're such a waste of time. But I do take showers. I just want to clarify. <laughs> Don't want anybody thinking anything. And I took my one bath, and the jetted tub thing just leaked and completely came through my kitchen ceiling. I was like, that's why I don't take baths. <laughs> and then you go to the next picture, and, and uh, oh, I, I, they're out of order. Oh, well. Um, there we go. And it happened again after we fixed it. So we ended up having to fix this location like five times in the course of a couple years. I was about to just leave an access panel in the kitchen ceiling. Okay, move on. This was fun. Anybody ever hang ceiling lights? I remember the first time I hung a ceiling I was proud of myself. I hung a ceiling light, and I just was like, I know you're supposed to flip the breaker. I get it. I know it. It's safety. OSHA would have shut me down. But I left the, the, the switch off. I told Jackie to watch the kids. I'm going to blame her. And, uh, and I grabbed the cords like this over to the side to drop the ceiling fan in the mounting bracket. And Jude came up to say hi to Dad. And flipped the switch on while I had those in one hand. Let me just tell you, your arm from your shoulder down tingles for about 25 minutes. And, uh, yeah, so that, that's fun. Go to the next one. That's when we were doing our deck, and we actually had to redo it a couple times because the guy said he had experience. Uh, too long of a story. See me after. That's a great story. Okay, keep going. How many of you, uh, right now, there's, there's tarps on the roof right now. This was a regular occurrence based on where we are in Liberty being the highest elevation. The shingles constantly 
blew off, even though we replaced the roof, but have no fear. I've called in roofers before. Next picture. Yes. That is me with a roofing gun, a nailer, and I've used it. Just want you to know. Just want you to know. That's when me and Craig Tussin, where is Craig here? Yeah, we went to church in a day. We built a church in the course of like a weekend, and we went there and worked, and Craig is skilled, and I watched and handed him things. <laughs> but I had to take my picture. Who likes heights? Yeah, who's scared of heights? You would have enjoyed this, standing on a bar, just looking straight. I don't know if you can tell, but that's a pretty steep drop right there. I had to pull out my phone because I wanted to show it to somebody someday, and today's that day. Next picture. Yep, I just want you to know I can use it. I, 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 wanted, I wanted you to have visible proof of me using it, okay? Next one. Chad, he ain't here tonight, but we caught Chad working one time. <laughs> Somebody tell Chad to watch this service later, okay? Tell him he's getting, he's getting some FaceTime here at church, and he's missing it. So we remember this when we took, oh, rest his soul. There's Ron Oaks right there in the corner. And uh, we completely gutted a huge chunk of the lower level, and those tiles were supposed to just pop up. That's what they told me. They rent the machine at Home Depot. I said, yeah, you just push the thing, and they pop, 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 and they just pop up. I said, that's easy enough. Plug it in, pop, pop, pop. Yeah, da, 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 da. No, they were like glued down with the most strong adhesive that would last for 40 years, and it did. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. And... She downstairs, my daughter, she's always willing to work. I had to get that picture in there because through the years, us being here 13 years, we've seen a lot of projects in every, the, we got all ages, both genders, yeah, just two. Uh, they, they all have worked at this, at, this, at this church. It's been exciting through the years. Okay, keep going. And there she is again, staining this uh, staining this uh, drum cage that was built by Noah. Keep going. Anybody remember being up on a scaffold and staining these by hand? And then we said, let's make this dark, and we'll just, yeah. <laughs> and then we said, let's go ahead and just stain the woodwork on the window so it'll match. And then we said, let's stain the pew wood. We don't have pews anymore. But I remember Keith underneath, you know, he's under there. Okay, keep going. There we go, Brad and Kevin, we're, that's, that's the lower level remodel. Okay, keep going. That's when we decided to take out the wall. That's how our foyer used to look, hanging lights in the foyer, taking out the wall in the foyer. Rich and Jenna are like, man, we should have moved earlier so we could have helped with all this stuff. <laughs> okay, keep going. Remember doing this? There's David, huh? David was supervising the air. When we did this, how about the next one? Oh, yeah, me and Brother Jim hanging lights. Another time OSHA would have shut us down when we got the, uh, we had returned the scaffold. We put the biggest ladder we had in the middle, and we got all the lights done except for the one right in the middle in the foyer. And I got to the top of the ladder, and it was just a little beyond my reach. And he said, well, do we have to go get a scaffold again? I was like, man, I ain't going to rent a scaffold again. I said, there's a box of books in my office. <laughs> Brother Jim looked at me and was like, I said, just, I said, just don't tell anybody. I'll tell them eight years from now when I'm preaching one Wednesday night. 
So we went on the top rung of the ladder. I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid of heights, but this one actually still makes my palms sweat when I think about it. And I got on the top of the box of the books, and I managed to get that light hung, and I still am here, thank God. But I should not do it anymore. Next one. We replaced the carpet, the flooring in the sanctuary. Take a look at that. Next. Is that it? No. No, you can go back. So... I think about what we've painted and stained and painted again. And again, if you're a guest here, you just got a quick history of Refuge Church and a couple of our, and those are just a few of the projects, okay? We've stained pews and arches and woodwork. Our volunteers did the roofs on both the parsonage and this church. And we've still since sold this, and it's not even our building, but we still take pride in what we all bound together to do. We did the landscaping, all the landscaping. Uh, we remodeled every single area of this church except the kitchen, which they're doing right now. And one classroom, two classrooms didn't get their floors replaced, but we repainted all of those. And so we've done everything from plumbing, structure, landscaping, electrical, drywall, painting, carpentry, flooring, tile. We've done it all in 13 years that I've been here. And I know they've done it even more before I came. But just to think when I moved here that the only tools that I owned was a starter set from Target. If you didn't pick that up, that's why I'm proud and showing you a picture with a nailer on a roof and putting down shingles. That was huge for me, okay? And so I'm just thankful that God called me to pastor here at 28 and not 58 because I'm about to be 42 and I'm already tired. <laughs> and I'm going to say this. We're getting ready to try and build a new building. This time we're trying to hire people because if we keep having issues trying to build, by the time we have our first service, this is what I'm going to look like. But the good news is my wife says I'm a handsome old man, so I guess uh, that's probably not true because I can't even grow that good of a beard anyway. <laughs> there have been more projects. God, his hand has been in and on every one. I think back to the camaraderie that was built. I really got to know when we started with 18 people in this church. I really got to know Brother Caesar, Brother Jim, Brother Keith, and Brother Donnie, Lord rest his soul, as we worked on projects together in the first few months, as we remodeled the parsonage, as before we moved in, and we came down here, came, yeah, over to, to, to Liberty from Wisconsin, and uh, I really got to know those guys, and they started calling me Ramses um, from the Egyptian days, and I guess they thought I liked to do projects a lot. But uh, then I got to know this new guy that came to church, and his name was James Chester. As we, He came here, and about a week later after he came, we were working and putting together the playground that currently exists in the church playground right now as we worked with a 1,000 pieces trying to figure out which one was which. But we got to know each other. And uh, so many of you, both men and women, have invested so much, not only money but time into this facility through the years. And, and in these projects, I can honestly say that I learned a ton of both physical and spiritual lessons. So tonight, I just thought, man, there's a lot to learn from a remodel. And so I want to draw on some of these spiritual topics as I speak tonight about this, a remodel project. A remodel project. See, when you stop and think about it, our lives are really, our lives are a remodel project. We may have lived one way for several years, but God steps in and he starts updates. He starts renovations. 
because we can't just look and act and be the same way that we've always been. At some point, God starts to, his word, it will reprove and rebuke and correct and encourage and instruct. And so the more we stay around the word of God, things start to change in our lives a bit. <clears throat> and so we can see spiritual lessons, even in physical projects. And so tonight, I just want to share six lessons that I, anytime you share a number, people are like, oh, Lord, okay, we're counting down now. But I'm cognizant of the time, but I want to share six lessons with you that, and I could have come up with more. Believe me, I have some great stories on remodels. Anytime I hire a contractor, I either hit a home run or a strikeout. I never do anything in between. I'm either like, they are the greatest contractor ever, five-star review on Google, or should I really sue them? Can I go to court and win? Like, there's no in-between. I, I either hit home runs or strikeouts. So someone else should be choosing the contractors for our new construction project. And that's why we're trying to hire a general. So six life lessons. Number one, you cannot get overwhelmed at the journey of where you are now and where you want to be. Just leave that up there and let us, let's think about that. When you start a major remodel, it can be overwhelming, especially if you are living there. The people who bought our last house said, well, we can't, we don't need it for six weeks if you want to close. I was like, yes, we have to do some updates at the new place, and I would love to not live there. It was still annoying, but it still was, it was better, but you look at your current worship situation or your current living conditions, and then you think of the finished product. And although you want to get to that place, I'm here, I want to get to there, but the process can be overwhelming. You really want to paint your house. Anybody right now, you, you, you actually want a new color of paint in your house. Raise your hand if you want a new color of paint. All right, we got a couple of hands raised. All right, uh, we, anybody want to volunteer to paint their house? No. So <clears throat> you want to paint your house, but the thought of, I got to take down all the things off my walls. I got to pull out all the heavy furniture. I have to take the bed down, pull the dresser, take the mirror down. I need to get that. That, that can be, and then I got to pay for it. And oh, So like all these things were like, you know what? That paint isn't too bad. I, I, think, it's, I think I can live with that paint. And so it's just too difficult. It takes too much time. But the process of life can be summed up in a scripture in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I think if I said, who wants God to direct their paths? I think we'd all be like, yeah, yes, yes, amen. But it's the other steps that we struggle with. I really want God to direct my paths. But trust in the Lord in all my ways. Lean not unto my own understanding. Acknowledge him in everything I do. And then he's going to direct my paths. Well, I want that part. I just don't want to go through the other parts. I want the painted house. I just want someone to spackle the walls, take down my furniture, take the things off the wall, hang them back up, and pay for it. That's all I want. And so those are challenges. The process, get, it gets overwhelming at times. I want that finished product. I'm right here. But to get to that, oh, it's just overwhelming. And so I think sometimes we're like that with God. I, I'm not where I want to be in God. I want to be deeper in God. I want to know more about him. I want to know him more. I want to have a deeper, stronger relationship. But 
I don't want to wake up early and pray. I'm not a huge fan of fasting. I like food a lot. Food brings me joy. And so, we sometimes go, here's where I am, there's where I want to be. And honestly, I don't even want to start the journey. I don't even want to start painting my house because it's so difficult. We can get like that spiritually. But just trust the process. Trust the fact that, you know what? Let's, let's jump in. Let's, let's go ahead and do this. But in order to start renovation, there's a very important second step that needs to be done. And that is, got to tear out some of the old things. When I was an office manager and estimator in Wisconsin, I was an office manager and estimator for a drywall and painting company. We got calls all the time. This was back when the market had dropped out. This was 2007, eight, right, I think. Um, and uh, so people were not really constructing new. They were renovating old. And a lot of people had water damage. And it was the east side of Milwaukee. There was a lot of plaster. And we got tons of calls for ice dams. If you don't know what that is, water freezes, backs up under your shingle, water comes into the house. And so they would say, hey, uh, can you help me? I got a spot on my ceiling. It's molded. And I had taken bleach and wiped it over the surface. And I thought it would go away, and it's still there. All the time. I cannot tell you how many times I went into people's house, and they said, we wiped the surface with bleach, but it's still there. If you're doing that, no knock on you. Don't raise your hand. Okay. But people think, oh, bleach, I just, wiped, I just wiped the surface, takes care of the mold. Well, the problem is, if water came from the roof, hit the back side of the drywall, and I wiped the front side of the drywall that I can see, the painted side, guess where the mold still is? On the back side of the drywall. So we would have to come in and cut out a section, a sheet, a four-by-four four square, whatever, and we would have to, and our, and our, and our um, theme for our, our slogan for our company was, yes, we can match any texture. Because that was people's big concern. Yeah, you can patch it. But can you match the knockdown, match the hand trowel, match the sand texture, match whatever? And uh, I certainly couldn't. I still didn't have my target starter set. But we had guys that worked for us and ladies that worked for us that could do it. And so oftentimes the problem is not just on the surface. Let that sink in. That's a message in itself right there. It's not just on the surface. So we'd have to tear that out. Now, you could go ahead and say, you know what? That's ugly. I can't get rid of the mold. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to throw a sheet of drywall over the top of it and enjoy the new look of my drywall and not have to look at the mold anymore. People had asked us that. Could you just throw a sheet of drywall over it? I was like, yeah, and then your whole house can get mold. And I mean, that's fine. And so the problem is, is if mold spreads, but also it's not, it, you, so you throw something over an electrical outlet, well, now the outlet needs to be adjusting, comes out. You have to get, the baseboards are now sitting back behind the drywall. And so there are adjustments that have to be made. You can't just go ahead and just say, you know what, the easiest thing is just throw the new piece of drywall over, just paint over it. Sometimes to do things the most effective and safe and long-lasting, high-quality way is you got to just get in there and tear it out. You got to just tear it out. My, my father-in-law is the most excellent tear-out person that I have ever met in all of my life. 
Okay, no one can. I think when we did the Parsonage Kitchen, he had the entire thing demoed in like 30 minutes. I'm, I mean, like, he, again, OSHA, they weren't there. But I'll never forget when he said, this piece of junk, hand me that sawzall. And I said, okay. And he just went, and the power went. And I said, you just cut through the electrical line. He's like, that's fine. We're replacing it anyway. And if you're listening, thank you for your help. I love you. And I was like, what about getting electrocuted? He said, it'll flip the breaker. This was my teacher. And you know, the guy with the Target tool pouch, I'm like, okay, I don't know no different. I'm, oh, all right. We got it done, though. And uh, we got it tore out. Brittany just referenced, you know, when tonight she started telling a story. She read, read a scripture, and, and if you didn't miss it, Jacob, she said, Jacob said, we're going to go tear down that idol, and we're going to build an altar. Do you know that theme is through the entire scripture, the whole scripture? They were called to tear down things and build new. Tear down things, build new. Look what Paul says in the New Testament, Ephesians 4, 22. He says, throw off your old sinful nature. And your former way of life, which is computed by lust and corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. There's a good scripture. Just don't lie. And he says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Verse 28, he says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. I mean, we could have done a whole principles for life. We could have done many series on just this passage. I think we got some good advice. Throw off sinful nature. Stop lying. Don't sin. Quit stealing. Common sense, but it's all pretty good stuff. He says, verse 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so your words will be an encouragement. If you'd get nothing out of tonight, if you're like, why did he talk about remodels all night? Just go to Ephesians 4, 22 to 32, and you will have an amazing principle for life message just reading this passage. Don't bring sorrow, verse 30, to God's spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. Instead, be kind one to another, forgiving one another, tenderhearted like Christ forgave you, right? So he gives us these amazing lists. But Paul was essentially saying if you really want to be a new creature, a new creation, you got to tear out all kinds of old stuff. Because these are the works of the flesh. And so he says, get rid of it. Throw it off. Stop. He, he, look at all the words he used. Get rid of. Stop. Don't do this. Don't use. Quit stealing. Stop. He, he, it's, it, essentially, you want to be a new creature, got to tear some things out. Even in the Old Testament, like I said, all, always tear down and then build. Tear down and then build. If you want the beautiful finished product that God wants you to be, it's going to require you to tear some things out. They can't just stay, and you hope that they won't cause damage and won't smell and won't be dangerous. Get them out. Third thing, you have to plan. Success does not just happen. Guys, I have an incredible vision for the church. I could go to that church and probably say, all right, I want it a little wider there. 
I want this here. Okay, this is the color I want here. Let's throw the tile down right here. I might be able to do that, but it's weird. The city won't let me do that. The city's making us hand in this booklet of 300 pages, 90 pages of plans that talk about literally where are the electrical outlets, what kind of towel, what toilets, where are the toilet, where's the sewer going, what type of roof, what color, what's the landscape plan, where are the doors going, where are the windows going, how wide, how tall are the windows, what type of material are you using on the windows. All this stuff. When I, they don't just trust my vision. They want to plan on top of my vision. Well, any project that's this large and this important, it takes a plan. You don't just have success by accident. You have to have prints, a plan, something that says, here is the visualization. I meet preachers sometimes that say, bless God, I don't use any notes. I'm like, great. I know I need to use notes because I talk long enough without notes. If I just went on and on and didn't have something to guide me, y'all be in trouble. And so the project, it takes plan. You can have good intentions all you want. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for God. You know what? I'm going to be closer to God. I'm going to get closer to God. I, I'm, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better father. What in the world does that mean? What do you mean you're going to pray more? What does that mean? How is that going to happen? When are you going to do it? How are you going to get there? What's the plan? What's the print? Oh, you know what? I'm going to be a better husband. What in the world does that mean? Maybe talk to your spouse. Does she get input on how you could be a better husband? Don't discuss that right now. You wait till later for that one. <laughs> what does this mean? We have to have a plan. We have to be intentional. Even Jesus before he performed the miracle of the loaves and the fish, which I'm going to talk a little bit about on Sunday. Do you know he got things organized first? My kind of guy. Luke 9, 13 and 14. You ever catch this? Jesus said, you feed them. We, sometimes we just picture Jesus like goes around. He's like, miracle, miracle, miracle. You get a miracle. You get a miracle. We all get miracles. But he says, we only got five loaves and two fish. And verse 14, he says, there, there, the scripture says there's about 5,000 men. There, and Jesus replied and said, tell them to go sit down in groups of 50. Interesting. Before he performs this amazing miracle, he stops and gets things organized first. You know, having a plan, let me, hear, let me say this to you. Having a plan does not mean you lack faith. Having a plan does not mean you lack faith. Look what else Jesus says, and we're living this right now. Luke 14, 28, he says, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Guess what? There's not right now. So we own land, but we haven't started yet because... We've counted the cost, and we still have ways to go. That's your plug. If you've made a pledge, be faithful to your pledge, because you are the key. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and everyone laughs at you. Receive the word of the Lord. 
It's a balance between faith and counting the cost. And after you count the cost, it's time to work hard. When you remodel, you're going to pay a price somewhere. Okay? I have learned you get three bids. Don't always go with the cheapest bid. Man, this guy was 12000 This guy was 10200 And this guy said he'd do it for $51,000. we are going with him. And then he gets there. And he stacks the wrong wood in your yard, the thin stuff instead of the thick decking stuff. And he uses nails on a deck instead of screws. And then he cuts all the metal spindles when they weren't supposed to be cut. And they're all different things. And then the stairs are actually different heights. Imagine that. I'm not speaking from experience. I'm just, I'm just throwing out hypotheticals. You're going to pay or you're going to do. If you know your stuff, you're going to be working hard. You're going to be coming home after hours after your other job. You're going to be trying to get things done. It might take you 11 years, but you're going to work hard and try and get it done. You're going to pay somebody. You're going to pay somewhere. Faith does not mean that you sit back and always just wait for God. Now, I know that statement can be taken out of context. What? No, we're, we don't create our own stuff. But I also don't say, you hear me say this all the time, I just want a new job. I just want a new job. I'm waiting for God to provide me with that job. Do you have a resume? No. Are you working on a resume? No. Have you even put together a resume? No. Have you applied anywhere? No. I'm just waiting for God to provide. I would say God is saying, stop being lazy and go get a job. I'm afraid that Christians make this mistake at times. Paul clearly says, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Now, that just seems harsh. But Paul is like, I'm sorry. It's a scriptural principle. If you're not working, you're not eating. Before God ever created Eve, he first created Adam with a will to work. Before she was ever around. Adam was commanded to tend the garden. We are called to work. Don't just sit around and be lazy. This is a principle of the remodel. I would argue that God hates laziness. Let's look at a couple of passages. Proverbs 6, we're just going to go through Proverbs on a few, few passages. He says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Man, if I preach like this, I'll tell you. Learn their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work. I'm only working hard when the boss is there. That doesn't seem like the scriptural principle to me. They work hard all summer gathering food for the winter. You work in sales, you get a commission. You know that, like I, I've recently said, if you sell swimming pools, save your money right now because you're not going to sell a lot in December in Missouri. They work hard all summer, but you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. How about Proverbs 10, 4, and 5? Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. A wise youth harvests in the summer, but one who sleeps during the harvest is a disgrace. This is why parents everywhere are like, get a job, stop sleeping, get up early. Proverbs 13, 4, lazy people want much but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. 18, 9, a lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. 
21, 25, despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin for their hands refuse to work. I could keep going. This is just a handful. I'm pretty sure the Bible is against laziness. I don't do everything right, but one thing I've always tried to do is work hard. As a, as a busboy, I, I started my first job when I was 14 years old. I was cleaning my grandparents' cars and trying to make money on the side before that. But since I was 14, I have actually never had a day where I was without a job. If I lost a job, when we, when we had that, that, that company that I worked for, that drywall and painting company, they called us. And he said, we sold the company. It was Monday. And we found out we were unemployed as of that Wednesday. I called the restaurant back where I used to work. And I went back and started serving tables. Working in the restaurant. I've delivered pizza for Domino's. I'm not saying that I've always worked high-level executive positions. No, I wore a red coat and hat and said, here's your pizza, and trudged through the snow of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> and we had a little tiny Saturn Ion, and when my in-laws moved there, I'd go borrow my mother-in-law's Jeep so I could actually get my pizzas delivered. But I was not going to just sit around and not work. I, I don't say that that's, oh, just, that's a great personality trait. I think it's a biblical trait. Colossians 3.23 says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Sometimes we look at people, well, they're like, well, they're blessed, of course. Look, they got that great job. How do you think they got that great job? They have worked extremely hard. I look at people in this congregation who have great jobs, who have gone to school, gotten masters, gotten doctorates, started at a young age, worked their way up the chain. They have worked hard. And God has blessed, of course. It's the combination. But God blesses because this is a principle of his word. Don't be lazy. Five, get someone to help you on the journey. In 13 years, as I say, I've been here working on projects, I've had a bunch of amazing people to work alongside of me. Me and James Chester stood for hours on the top of the scaffold in here getting the high points of these arches. I've been on the roof. I've been on roofs with many of you, worked in the lower level remodel alongside of you, hung lights with you, painted with you, been on the scaffold, laid mulch in the playground and at the front and the rock. I just got to ask, if you have ever, in all the years that I've been here, if you have ever worked on a physical project with me here at the church or the parsonage, raise your hand if you have ever worked alongside of me at one of these projects. All right, I'm just, I'm just seeing who does not have their hands raised. Come, I'll call you. I'm going to call you at the next one. So I do not stand here and say, I did this. In 13 years, I've done it. I would already be dead, okay? Everybody has come alongside. Why? Because we love God, his kingdom, and the, and the facilities in which we minister to people. You love that just like I do. And so, as I said, our lives are a renovation project. We used to walk one way, but scripture says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so, we tear some things out, 
to put the new in. That's what God does for us. He says, I'm going to get rid of your stony heart of flesh and give you a new heart. I'm going to tear the old out and put the new in. This is what we learn every time we remodel. There's a price to pay. It takes hard work. Oh, but you know what? Think about it. God didn't expect you to just do it all by yourself. That's the reason why he says, I'm going to give you a church. He compares the church to a tree where your branch has been grafted in. He compares us to being part of the body of Christ and even says everybody, everybody has its own particular uh, function in the body. Very few people, very few people here could build their entire house or do their whole remodel by themselves. Very few. Some think they can. And the finished product is eh. But very few people could do the architecture, foundation, plumbing, electrical, carpentry, tile, roofing, gutters, painting, flooring, windows, doors. Very few people do it all. Different people have different areas of expertise. Some can do it alone, but oftentimes that person, you know, they, why would you want to do it alone? If you were doing a floor, you say, I got this by myself, and somebody comes over and says, I'm a flooring expert for the church, and I'd love to just help you out. Unless you're just arrogant and don't, prideful and don't want someone's help, why would you not say, man, come on, give me a hand? We're not, discipleship is inviting someone to take the journey with you. I'm not, this renovation project of my heart, my life, we're all in this remodeling. God's tearing some things out, putting some new things in. There's a cost. It takes time. It takes hard work. Bible says, take up your cross and follow me. That sounds, I, I love it. He says, my, my burden is easy and my, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. But there's still a burden. But there's still a cost. He's still carrying a cross. It's not easy. But discipleship is, I'm going to invite someone to come along on this journey with me. As he ascended into heaven, he gave us the command to make disciples in Matthew 28, 19. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which he says, teach these new disciples to obey all commands that I've given you. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, he says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. He did not say, just worry about your own project. You're in a renovation project. Don't even focus on anything else. Worry about your own tile. No, he says, hey, you're part of something bigger than yourself. This is, this is huge. I'm calling you to go reach a world. And to do that, you got to teach people. you got to minister to them, invest in them, spend time with them. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some of your resources. Why? Because we got done with a certain part of your project, but now I'm calling you to go help someone with theirs. And that's the way he's called the kingdom to be. And he's called us to be a part of this body of Christ. So don't do this journey alone. Find someone who's further down this path than you. Certainly that's, uh, uh, there's no professional Christians like there is someone in the remodel industry. But somebody who's laid a few more floors than you. Who's installed a few more sinks than you. And say, hey, I'm trying to install a sink. Could you show me how to do it? But you know why, especially I can talk about guys. You know why a guy, guys don't ask directions. That you're going to be hard-pressed to have a guy be like, hey, I don't know how to put in a sink. Can you help me out? 
guys are like, especially with YouTube, oh, I'll finish this, I'll figure this thing out. And then their, their wife is like, honey, there's water under the cabinet. And blah, blah, blah. But if we say to someone, I know you've plumbed before. Can you help me out? Really got to set the pride down. That's the way it is in our journey with Christ. Hey, you've gone through this. I'm having some marital issues. Can I chat with you about this? Bounce some things off you. I'm having some financial issues. How do you guys seem like you got things a little more stable? Hey, you know what? I feel like my prayer life lately is a little dry. I feel like you're a prayer warrior. How do you, what's your journey look like when you started walking with God? Can you, can you just walk me through that? So it takes that humility to ask for it, but also as you've gotten some of your renovations done, look backward and try to be aware of other people who are going through renovations. Get alongside them. Remodeling and renovating is quite the process. Uh, takes time. It's aggravating, frustrating, costs money. You got to work hard. I mean, all these things that we've talked about. But we showed that transition. Look at, look at, look at that other picture. When we celebrated the 10-year anniversary, a decade of transformation. There we go. I mean, check that out. Came here, changed it to that, and we ended up with that. And I just feel like we had this great foundation, but we as a church just kept renovating, just kept trying to make improvements and the feel and the look of the facility that God's blessed us with to the point now where there's going to be a whole nother picture up here of an entirely new facility here in the next couple years to where we're going to worship. Church is not about the building. Don't take that out of the message tonight. But certainly the building should reflect the excellence and the values that we hold as someone comes into our community that should be a warm and inviting place. But when we look at this, we say, wow, the numbers of people have grown. The building has gotten more beautiful. There's been a lot of renovation. And it's not just renovation of paint and stain and drywall. There's been a lot of renovation of hearts. A lot of us could say, man, when I first started to come here, I was pretty broken. I was hurting. I wasn't in a good place. I didn't even know what I believed. I, wasn't, I, was, I, I was really struggling. I wasn't sure where I fit in. People say a lot of these things, but you sit here or you're watching online as a healthy believer going, wow, that renovation project took some time, some work, some money, and it really, it was really hard at times. I had to walk alongside someone for a little bit, but it's done. And I look around here. And I think back, and there's not any part of me that goes, I wish we could do this again in here. I'm like, no way. There is no, like thinking about moving the chairs and getting a scaffold and moving the chairs is a lot easier than moving 700-pound pews, I'll tell you that. I might be exaggerating. But you know what, when you look around, you know what the last thing is? The last thing that we can learn, it's worth it. It's worth it. That sixth and final thing is it's worth it. When you don't get overwhelmed but stay on track, when you tear the old things out, when you plan for success and don't just hope for it, 
when you work hard, when you get someone else to join you on your journey and help someone else. It's worth it. It might be messy at times. There's a cost involved. It might be a long journey. But in the end, Isaiah 40 and 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And guess how it all ends up? Revelation tells us. 21 4 says, In God, this is the reason why we go through the renovation. This is the finished product. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things, the old things, are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, I make all things new. <laughs> the Lord, he says, hey, I'm all for tearing the old things out. And at the end of the day, my finish, my goal at the end is what? To make all things new. And in the meantime, he's renovating us and remodeling us and changing some things and, and sanding some things down. And at times it feels like it's just a mess. But it is so worth it. It's going to be complete one day. And one day we're going to be a finished product. And it's going to be better than a porcelain tub or gold shower handles or upgraded roof or a beautiful landscape. It's going to be better than all that. It's going to be the fact that we as believers are going to go into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to where we join the angels in worship. And he says, I have made all things new, including heaven itself. Would you stand to your feet? And certainly this is one of those messages that you're going to take some things with you. But I think it'd be wise if before we leave, we just find a place to where we can just bow a knee and lift our voice a little bit and talk to the Lord about what we just heard. And Because certainly, if you haven't had a renovation going on in a while... They said every 10 to 15 years for a house. Well, I think it's less for our human heart. If it's been 10 to 15 years and there's been no remodeling going on in here, that's way too long. He's looking at us going, hey, that's gotten a little out of date. It's time to, it's time to change that a little bit there. That's not exactly what I want it to be. Let's tear that out of there. Let's work on this. And so, you know what? You've got something different to work on than I probably do, than the person next to you does. But I never want to stop the renovation. Not until the day I hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I've made you new. Come see what I've been working on. Let's find a place to pray tonight. Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord, as you work on our hearts and our minds. God, that we've learned something from all the projects we've done, either at the church or in our house. We want to be the people you want us to be, God. Nothing more, nothing less. Just what you want us to be, Jesus. Help us tonight. Speak to us tonight.